0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen. Turn to Isaiah 60 for me. Turn to Isaiah 60 for me. I just want to say, if, if you didn't have a chance to come Wednesday night, this last Wednesday night, In fact, Cody brought the word Wednesday night. It was fantastic, so you can go online and watch that. We have some great gifts. All the guys do a great job. I love hearing the diversity. I love them all bringing their gifts on Wednesday night especially, so come on out and be a part of Wednesday night. We're really enjoying that, but it was a great message for sure. You want to get that. Watch it online. Amen. We are in part three of our series called The Holy Spirit, and so can I just say this? Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you for coming back. Uh, You know, honestly, all joking aside, it really is a topic that can be divisive in the body of Christ. And it shouldn't be that way. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing, the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, God always intended for every believer to embrace him, have a relationship with him. And in fact, that's why the Holy Spirit is a he, just like God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. So you can build a personal relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. And we all need to. We probably understand something about God the Father, God the Son, and typically he's a bit overlooked at times just because I think of confusion and, and there's been some misinformation, there's been some abuse, if you will, overemphasis, underemphasis, and so what I've hoped to do in these last three weeks and of course the next week as we wrap up the series is just to bring some clarity perhaps. Bring, bring the word out and see what the Bible has to say about the person and power of the Holy Spirit and that he is for every believer. Um, just so you know, it is a core belief that we have here at Tree of Life that we are to embrace the person and power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that I've raised that way. Uh, my kids are raised that way. And so I think it's extremely important for us to dig into the word of God and see for ourselves because typically what I find is when people have a a bit of a pushback against the person and power of the Holy Spirit uh, in dialogue with them, my experience has been they really can't bring a lot of scriptural support to the table that is not for today. And so uh, my Bible looks very clear. And we're trying to put out different passages of scriptures that will help you understand the significance and importance and value of having a personal relationship with a person and power of the Holy Spirit. And so Isaiah 60 has been kind of our foundational verse. Let's go ahead and look at that. Verse 1 says this, Arise, shine, wake up, be aware, be alert, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord shines upon you, rises upon you. The glory of the Lord, what that literally means as you translate that out, means the weight or full weight of who God is that God always intended for every believer to have the full weight of who he is in their life, operate in the fullness of God in your life. That's always been God's intent, and here's the reason why, verse two says, because darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. That you can live in a dark world and not give in to darkness, you can have the fullness of God working and operating in your life, And the result of someone embracing the full weight of who God is, is this, that nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That means that in this dark world, someone who embraces the fullness of who God is, causes their life to be so attractive that people be drawn to God himself because of their life. That's what we're here to do, amen? Seek and save the lost. That's our mission. That we are to embrace the fullness of who God is so that our light shines so brightly that it will draw other people out of darkness. In fact, perhaps you were drawn out of darkness by somebody else embracing the power and, uh, and light of God in their own lives. The person and power of the Holy Spirit. So it's for everybody. It is absolutely significant in today's world, today's life, that you embrace God in his fullness. It is what he always intended for you and I to have and walk in. Now, having said that, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and in particular, today's topic, we're not talking about heaven and hell issues. In fact, realize that you can go to heaven without uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, amen. So let's make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. And so those things that bring division in the body of Christ, we can still work together. We can still focus on reaching the lost. We can still give the missions. We can still serve our communities. We can still help people, help the under-resourced, as long as we can keep the main thing about Jesus. And I believe, though, it's important for you to know are the core beliefs here at Tree of Life Church and my family as well. And that is embracing the person and power of the Holy Spirit or experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I want to share in this morning's message and in some next week about really an aspect of the person of the Holy Spirit that seems to be the most controversial. I mean, most of the things I've said and will say this morning, we all probably would agree and really not even have a problem with, except for one part of the Holy Spirit, and a significant important part, but one part, and that is where it talks about speaking in tongues. (gasps) (laughs) Did he really say that? Yes, I did. And I I, I just got to say that I'm not embarrassed of it, I'm not ashamed of it, I'm not going to apologize for it. It is a beautiful thing, the heavenly language, and the world has made it crazy, and people have made it crazy but it's not, okay? But I understand if you haven't been raised that way, I I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 11 years old. I can remember sitting in a service like this. We went to one of the Holy Roller churches, right? And I was like, what in the world did dad get us into? I mean, we're in a cult, whatever, right? 11 years old. And then I remember the call one day to people to come forward to receive baptism of the Holy Spirit. My sister raised her hand. We're all seated there. My mom, my dad, my brother, myself, my sister. My sister raised her hand, so she was getting up to go up front. My brother and I were making fun of her, and so my parents made us go too. (laughs) Right? Great Punishment? You're punishing us? And so we went up front. They took us into a back room, explained about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, prayed with us, and we experienced that, and it was a real thing, and so I've been uh, a tongue talker ever since, can I just say it that way, ever since I was 11. And I raised my kids that way, and that may weird you out, and you may think, oh man, I was really liking this church too. <laughs> but uh, I hope that when you've come, you haven't seen us be weird, goofy, crazy, and you understand that it's not weird, goofy, crazy. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He does things in decency and in order, amen. But it is a beautiful part of our relationship with God through the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the third person, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we need to have a greater understanding. Let's take a look at Acts 19 this morning. Acts 19 verse 1. Here's the Apostle Paul, and he's uh excuse me, this is actually, the Acts is, is the book of, uh, Luke was the writer of the book of Acts, and we're talking about Apollos. when Apollos was at Corinth. Corinth was a city where churches were, a church was planted. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Ephesus was a city where a church was planted. You know why there's so many churches springing up here later in Acts? Because at the beginning of Acts, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and power. And so now we see revival break out because the power is there to change lives. The power is there to be a witness. And so now all of a sudden you see revival breaking out, churches popping up. And in fact, most of the, a lot of the New Testament rather are letters written by Paul to New Testament churches that were established because of the outbreak, if you will, the revival, the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out on his people. So here's Paul and he says this, there he found some disciples, Apollos found some disciples some followers of Christ, here's what he asked them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed or when you believed in the teachings of Jesus? Or let's say it this way, when you gave your life to Christ, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And let me say this, sadly, this is, the, this is what many people can say that they, maybe they've been raised in church or maybe they were around Christian people but they never heard about the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Can I just say, this is not one of those churches. We're not going to be one of those churches where you come for a length of time and you don't even hear if there's a Holy Spirit. He is a part of who we are every day in our lives and we embrace him and we want his outpouring every time we gather because we want God to move in signs, wonders, and miracles, amen? And so this is not one of those churches, we believe that, but sadly there are a lot of churches that you don't hear about the Holy Spirit. And so here's what they're saying, we haven't even heard about it, no one has taught us about it. And the way that I want us to understand this idea of receiving the Holy Spirit is by looking at the word baptism. Let's look at the word baptism. I hope it, I I believe it brings some clarity. Now, in the scripture, the word baptism is used three different ways, or it's applied three different ways. And God has a a baptism or an immersion, and it doesn't always mean by water. That's what we usually equate it to. But the word baptize is the word baptizo, and it means to immerse or to completely immerse. Now that's what we call our water baptism service: is immersion. Or we completely immerse or submerge people in the in the water. And there's three applications of baptism in the New Testament. So I'm really going to give you some teaching this morning, so take some notes or or sit and listen and go back and go over it later through watching the the, uh, stream. But there's three applications of baptism in the New Testament, and they all are for you. They all stand on their own as separate experiences, but they are all for you, for every believer. Let me give you the first one the Bible talks about. The first baptism the Bible talks about is salvation baptized into the body of Christ. Salvation, that's when you give your heart to Jesus. The Bible says that you are baptized into the body of Christ, or part of his family. First Corinthians 12, 13 says this. For we are all baptized by one spirit, the spirit of God, so as to form one body. One body, whether you get saved in India, in Mexico, here, we are baptized into one body. The family of God, the body of Christ. One spirit, the Holy Spirit. Galatians three twenty six through 27 says this, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, salvation, you're saved by grace through faith, for all of you who are baptized into Christ, salvation, have clothed yourselves with Christ, baptized into Christ, being a believer, saved into the body of Christ. And so let me give you one more. Go ahead and turn to John 20. Let me set it up for you. Jesus has come, he has been crucified, he's gone to the grave, and he has resurrected. He has risen again. He spends 40 more days on the planet, but he shows up here with his 12 disciples or his followers who are now hiding in fear, afraid for their own lives. And he spends 40 days on the planet because he wants to build their faith because they thought all hope had been lost and was gone. But Jesus pops up on the scene to encourage them in their faith and to give them some instructions. But he first connects with his followers, and so he shows up here in John 20. Listen to what happens then, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, With the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, fear for their lives, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. You know why he had to say peace be with you? Because it totally freaked him out, all right? Doors are locked, he's been dead, he's put in the grave, and all of a sudden he pops up, surprise, here I am. And so initially, because of their fear, he says, calm down, it's okay, calm down, it's me. And it goes on to say this, after he said this, he showed them the holes in his hands, see where the nails went in, and look at the hole on my side where they pierced me with a spear to make sure my heart had stopped beating, and the disciples were overjoyed. So now they're crazy with fear, and now they're super excited, and here's what he says, and Jesus had to say, calm down again, peace be with you, I want to do something here, I want to talk to you about something. And he says this, as the Father sent me on a mission to seek and save the lost, as the Father sent me with a mission, I am sending you. In other words, I have a mission for you. And it goes on to say this in the next verse. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now when it says he breathed on them, it doesn't mean that he went, (laughs) ha, right? I mean, no, take it easy, Jesus, all right? (laughs) You've been been dead for a while, haven't you? No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't mean that. The word breathe there... Receive the Holy Spirit is talking about, it's the word pneuma, which literally means the breath, the breath. And so he breathed life into them. And, and actually, if we could say it this way, it's, it's he breathed power into them by the Spirit. It's the same word used in Genesis 1, verse 2, second scripture in the Bible where God breathed and the Spirit created, started forming the earth. It's the same word. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And at that moment, they were saved. They became saved. He breathed life into them. Now understand something. You might think that they had been saved because, it would, hey, listen, they've been walking and talking with Jesus, Pastor. They have to already been saved. That was an impossibility because Jesus hadn't paid for their sins yet, right? So they could not be saved until Jesus went to the cross to pay for sins and then rose again in power. And now we have the first converts And isn't it fitting that it's the men that walked with him? So we see the first convert, so now they're saved. So there's a baptism into the body of Christ. Now understand this, when you get saved, you do get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live and abide in every believer. Now some think you don't get the Holy Spirit when you're saved, you only get it at the baptism. And can I say this? That's not true. And some think you get all the Holy Spirit there is when you get saved. And let me say this, that's not true either. And so we're going to see in Scripture what is truth by the Word of God. Let's look at another uh, account, but the same story for some additional details. So let's look in the book of Luke. Turn to Luke 24 for me. And you'll see the same story in the verses 36 through 49. We're just going to look at verse 49. But on your own, you can go back and read the other Scriptures, 36 to 48. And you'll see the same story, but Luke adds an additional detail here and, and that John didn't. And so he says it this way. I'm going to send you, so Jesus, now I'm going to send you, I've already breathed on you and the Holy Spirit's come in. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Luke says, I'm going to send you future tents, it hasn't happened yet, until you have been, stay there until you have been clothed, it hasn't happened yet, clothed being baptized, clothed being fully immersed in or with power from on high. They have the Holy Spirit within. Now they're gonna be closed with the Holy Spirit upon. Immersed, the power from on high. Something that has not happened yet. So there is an additional work of the Holy Spirit that we see clearly in this passage of scripture. Now Luke, we just read Luke's account when he breathed on the disciples and now Luke is also the writer of the book of Acts. And so Luke goes and explains to us the, the, the Holy Spirit upon, if you will, through the book of Acts. And so take a look at Acts 1, 3 through 5. So the first baptism, you had an infilling of the Holy Spirit, but you hadn't been baptized in him yet. You had been filled with the Holy Spirit, he had been baptized in him yet, and our word is baptism, immersed or submerged. Here's what he says in verse three. After his suffering, Jesus, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs, look at the holes in my hands, look at the hole in my side, that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. He built their faith and gave them some instruction. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, gift, free gift, like salvation, that my Father has promised you, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. And all through the New Testament, you see them as separate experiences. You need to know that. In fact, let me illustrate this way. I have a glass right here, or a cup, and I have water in it. So, at that experience at salvation, so baptism into the body of Christ at salvation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, pouring the water in the cup. Now, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, immersed, is like then taking the cup with water and dropping it in a swimming pool. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about there? We're talking about being immersed, clothed with power, immersed Baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a different work. Let me give you the second baptism. It's the baptism in water. The first one was baptism in salvation or into the body of Christ or the family of God. Second one is in water, water baptism. Water baptism is a separate experience from salvation, and you need to know that. And again, I know there's a teaching that says that you can't get to heaven unless you're water baptized, I don't agree with that. In fact, I preached that one time when I was talking about water baptism, and somebody sent me a nice little note that says, who do you think you are telling people that they're not saved without being water baptized? And I responded very nice and politely in the same spirit and heart, and I said, I'll tell you who I am. I'm obviously one of the two that's read the Bible, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because if you're equating salvation to works, you're missing the whole gospel, You're missing that Jesus came to die. You can't earn heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. It's not by anything you could ever do. It's through the grace and love and mercy of Jesus Christ alone. Amen. It's a free gift. So it's a separate experience because you're not saved by works. You're saved by grace through faith, through what Jesus did. Amen. So it is a separate experience. Water baptism has to be that. And water baptism does not save you, but it publicly declares that you've been saved. And again, a couple Wednesdays ago, we had 85 people publicly declare that they have been saved through water baptism. Matthew 28, 19 says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, disciples, Christ followers, salvation experiences, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's talking about the second baptism there. But understand, there is a third baptism, and this is where I'm getting. You need to know this, trying to trying to help you understand this. The third baptism in the Bible, and like the second one, is a different working than the first. And the third one is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, a baptism in the Holy Spirit. All right, is this helping anybody? There, you, you need to see this. These are separate works, and here's the reason why I think these are all separate works because. I, I think God did not want to attach anything to the salvation experience. It is a stand alone experience. And bottom line is you can get to heaven without water baptism and you can get to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just having Jesus as Lord and Savior, amen? But I want you to see that he wants and intends for all of his people to experience all three and that it is for everyone. But this seems to be the one that's the most controversial, the most misunderstood, it causes the most confusion. So this is where people get confused. This is where the Holy Spirit gets packaged with stuff that we would say is crazy. And, and, and things happen and we like that's weird and that's goofy and spooky and stay away from that. And, and, and that's why some people stop at the second baptism. I'm okay, I'm giving my heart to Christ, I'm going to heaven, that's what matters to me. And okay, I'll get water baptized to publicly express to people that I have a change on the inside. I see that in the scripture, but I'm good right there. I don't want any any of that goofy, crazy stuff. And I hear this all the time. People say, I don't want any of that goofy, crazy stuff. And can I say this to you? I don't either. I don't. So I don't. I embrace the person and power of the Holy Spirit But it doesn't have to come with all that crazy goofy stuff. And here's what I think. I think the enemy has packaged it in a way for people to overemphasize some of these things to keep people from stopping at the second baptism and miss the beautiful thing of a heavenly language and the power from on high. And he's done a masterful job. If he can't keep you you from heaven, he's gonna keep you from walking in power and authority and taking other people with you by packaging it in a way that will turn you off. And he's done it for centuries. And too many people have bought into that and it should not be so. It's a beautiful wonderful thing. There are wonderful benefits to this baptism and there's nothing to be afraid of at all. And again there's many stories in scripture but let me give you one where you see all three happening separately. Acts 8 turn to Acts 8. Chapter eight, let's read in verse five, five through seven. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there, went to preach. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs performed, signs, wonders, and miracles, they all paid close attention to what he was saying. We would too. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Power, right? The Holy Spirit and power. So he's operating in this and we see people and we see, uh, let's jump ahead to uh, verse 12. Let me just jump ahead to verse 12. But when they believed, they saw, they heard, they believed, they had a salvation experience, they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom. They gave their life to Christ, if you will, and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, water baptized, both men and women, And then it goes to say this. Let's pick the story back up in verse 14. So here's a revival going on. I mean, healings are happening. People are getting set free. Philip's preaching the word. People are getting saved. They're believing. And all of a sudden, they're going down and getting water baptized. Word gets back to headquarters. Here's what it says. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, word get back to headquarters. There's revival happening in Samaria. They sent the big guns, Peter and John. Hey, there's revival breaking out there. You guys need to go and tell them about this other baptism, this last baptism. So they do. And it says this, that when they arrived, now listen to this, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. They were already believers. And so they had an infilling within the Spirit of God, baptized into the body of Jesus, into the body of Christ. They had a water baptism experience, we already read that, and now they are come and praying for them that they might receive that third baptism or receive the Holy Spirit. Let's keep going. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, but yet they were already saved, and they simply had been baptized in the name of the Lord, into the body of Christ in water. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see all three baptisms working there? And it's for every believer God always intended, for every believer to receive all three baptisms. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a crazy, goofy, spooky thing. It's not anything to be afraid of. Here's what we know. God does not give bad gifts to his kids. God doesn't do things to embarrass you or humiliate you or punish you. He doesn't do that. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. And so God's desire is for all of us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? because we need to walk in the full weight of who he is. And we'll get to that more in a little bit here in just a moment. I'm just trying to show you that God wants what God wants for all of us. And you can agree or not agree, that's totally up to you. I just want to let you see this in the scripture. But the devil's done a masterful job of scaring people away from something wonderful. And so you know it's really in the Bible cover to cover I talked last week about the three feasts, and again, illustrating the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. You can go back and listen to that. But just so you know, for those scholars that like to really dig into the Word, if you were to look at the tabernacle, which really, in a sense, was portable church in the Old Testament, the people of God were wandering in the wilderness. God instructed them to build a tabernacle where His presence would dwell, and He gave them specific instructions on how to set it up and how it was to operate. In the the tabernacle, um, the way it reflects Uh, These three things is really amazing. The first thing you would encounter in the tabernacle is the brazen altar, and that's the altar where a sacrifice was made. That's where blood was shed. That represents Jesus and the cross. That's the first baptism. The next thing you would come to would be the laver, and that's where then, after the blood sacrifice, they would wash their hands with water, representing the second baptism, or baptism by water. And then they would come to the candlestick, and the candlestick held oil in it, and oil is always representative of the Holy Spirit. And so you the third baptism there and then you would enter into the presence of God it's everywhere in the Bible cover to cover for every believer it's an amazing wonderful beautiful thing And why do I need this you might ask okay pastor I hear what you're saying but why do I need this and here's my answer because God designed you to live a spirit empowered life he's always desired for you to live an overcoming life A supernatural life. God never intended for the church to operate under its own strength and ability, which has limits, natural limits. He always wanted you to live with power, boldness, signs, and wonders. Why? Because you're his representation here on the planet. And somewhere along the way, the abuse, the overemphasis, the underemphasis, the false doctrine of the Holy Spirit has turned people off. People say, I don't, want a, I don't want all that crazy stuff, any of that crazy stuff. And I would say, me neither. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And can I tell you, I've seen some crazy stuff. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because God designed you to live a spirit-empowered life, not under your own strength, not under your own ability. He always intended for you to have the full weight of who he is, to walk in the fullness of God. And, the, and, and enjoy the signs, wonders, the miracles, and the gifts of the Spirit in operation. Why is this? It's because the job you have on the earth is tough. That's a tough job. You're supposed to change the world. You're supposed to be world changers. That requires a power greater than your own. And the mission is to change the world, and it is beyond us. So we need signs, wonders, and miracles to confirm His word. We need the power beyond the natural to live this out. Then why is it a separate experience? Why not package it all together? And I would say this, because God didn't want anything attached to your salvation experience except what Jesus did. So it's always a work of faith and grace, not anything anybody could earn or do. Understand salvation takes care of your eternity, because you won't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in heaven one day, but you do need it here on the earth. Until that day comes, you need it here on the earth. Why are they separate? Because they're not the same thing. Now listen, there's nothing bad that comes from God again. You don't have to fear it, run from it. You need to embrace it. It's not going to take over you. He's not going to take over you. He's not going to make you do things, crazy things. He's not going to make you roll around on the floor or run laps in this place during praise and worship. He's not going to make you do that. He does things in decency and in order. And I think sometimes we judge the person of the Holy Spirit in light of those things, when in reality, we need to judge those things in light of the word. Because some of that stuff, I'll be honest with you, I've been in some crazy stuff, seen some crazy stuff. And some of that stuff, I don't see in the word. I see that he's a God of decency and in order. And so I think sometimes we need to judge those things, not the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to trust him, the Bible says. Trust him. We need to cover it every gift, every one. You get boldness. You get a beautiful prayer language to use every day of your life. You get a greater awareness of God in you. You get a greater faith, a greater anointing, boldness, power, the ability to live this Christian life victoriously. Don't resist him. Embrace them. And the Holy Spirit is something beyond your natural mind. And that's our challenge. Our mind cannot comprehend all the things associated with the Holy Spirit. But don't pass up divine power by being satisfied with what your mind can understand. Don't pass up divine power by being satisfied with what your mind can understand. You bring God down to your level when we need to rise to his level. Amen. And overcome this world. And there's more. Second Timothy 3.1 says this. But mark this, there will be terrible times in these last days. We live in the last days, and times are terrible. 2 Timothy 3, 5. But we need to live not having a form of godliness and denying its power, but have the power of God. Too many people, too many Christians, too many ch- churches have a form of godliness, but, but de- deny the power. What is denying the power? The person and power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1, 8 says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I don't want to be a powerless church. I don't want to be a powerless person. I want to be a church that walks in the power of God. I want to be a church that embraces the fullness of the person and power of the Holy Spirit. I want that in my life. I want that in my marriage. I want that with my kids. And see the person and power of the Holy Spirit, otherwise we're relegating ourselves to a powerless Christianity. We need power the days that we live in. Hey, we don't want to play church. Playing church doesn't get anything done. It doesn't get anything anywhere. I don't want to be churchy. I don't want to play church. I want to make a difference. We need the power of God. We need the power of God in the days we live in. We need to be more concerned about overcoming evil than fitting in. We need to be more concerned about overcoming evil than fitting in. We don't need a culturally acceptable Christianity. We're supposed to be different. We're in this world but not of the world. The difference maker is the power of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so most of you won't disagree with me in in most of what I've said. There, There really is one area concerning the Holy Spirit that people have a hard time with, and that's tongues. You might hear it speaking in tongues, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, your heavenly language, your prayer language, however you've heard heard that said. It's really kind of the area, but you know what? It's a beautiful thing. It's just that we don't understand it, and we don't take the time to find it out for ourselves. Acts 2, 1 through 4 says this. Let me read it for you. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one room together, upper room. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were seated, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them, not did it for them, but enabled them. The Bible says in this time, why that's so significant and happened now, because it says outside, Jews from every nation, you can read that passage of scripture, Jews from every nation were, were there in that city and heard the commotion, and as they came out from the upper room, filled with power from on high, which is to give you boldness and courage to be witnesses, every tribe and tongue that was there on the planet said heard them speaking in their own language as they were speaking this heavenly language. And they were amazed, signs, wonders, and miracles. They were amazed. And some of them made fun of them. Some of those people made fun of those people. Hey, listen, can I say, I'd like to say that once you're filled with a baptism of the Baptist Holy Spirit and you get a heavenly language, people are going to make fun of you. I'd like to say that they won't, but they are, because they don't understand it. But what difference does that make? So did we, when did we live our life that way? I'm glad I, I wasn't, I not I wasn't concerned about people making fun of me when I got saved. My eternity is worth more to me than me pleasing somebody, right? It's for me. The Holy Spirit's for you, to empower you, boldness. And really the only issue a lot of times that we have with the Holy Spirit is the public expression or the public display. But can I tell you the greatest thing about the power of the Holy Spirit is personal. It's personal. I pray it when I stand there on the front row before I ever get up here to speak. I pray in the Holy Spirit. You probably don't even know that. I pray at home, I pray when I drive my car, I pray in the Holy Spirit, I pray when I'm at the office, I pray when I'm at ball games. I pray in the Holy Spirit. It's personal, it builds me up. We're going to give you next week, we're going to finish this up about, especially about tongues, I'm going to give you 10 benefits, a handout, 10 benefits uh, for a believer with praying in the Holy Spirit. It is for us. It's for each and every one of us. And Peter was empowered. The Bible says here in this passage, Peter was empowered to preach the gospel and 3,000 people got saved. You know what's amazing to me about that? Before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and power, just a few, uh, uh, go back, back the Bible up a little bit. When Jesus was crucified 50 days earlier, Peter had an encounter with a little girl and she was saying he's one of those Christ followers and Peter was so scared, he cussed out that little girl trying to prove that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He's he's denying Christ. He's afraid of a little girl and here 50 days later, he's standing up and preaching 3,000 people get saved. Where did that come from? What was the difference maker in that? What's the only thing that happened between that point in time where he was afraid of a little girl to the time he preached and 3,000 people got saved? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and power. Boldness and courage rose up inside of him. God didn't make him do anything, but he had boldness and courage. I love that. That's what it's for. Turn to 1 Corinthians for me. Chapter two, verse one. Let's listen to the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, you need to know right here, is going to explain some things to us. But the Apostle Paul has written two thirds of the New Testament. Probably one of the most educated people on the planet. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and his life changed forever. And so, understand that the man who wrote two thirds of the New Testament, which churches this morning all over the world will be preaching passages about, he was a tongue talker. You know why he had such great revelation? Because that divine connection with his heavenly Father. Through the heavenly language, people that don't believe in speaking in tongues or preach against it will be preaching passages that Paul wrote based on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because of his divine connection through his heavenly language. Isn't that that interesting? He was a tongue talker. In fact, he was kind of bragging about it one day, and he said this in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, I'm glad that I speak in tongues more than y'all because he was from South Israel. I'm glad I speak in tongues more than y'all. See, it's like this thing about, I speak in tongues, when I don't know what to pray in my understanding, I speak in the Holy Ghost. Okay, verse one. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message with, and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, although he could probably out and but with a demonstration of the spirit, spirit of God's power, outpouring of power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom or your own ability or strength, but on God's power, there's a greater power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Hey, it's not working, what we're doing today is not enough. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery, listen to this phrase, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. There's our word, glory. He's destined for us to have the fullness of who he is operating in our lives. Why? Where? When? Before time. God always intended for his followers to walk in the fullness of who he is. Now understand what he says here, that there's a mystery that has been hidden. There are things about God that you understand and there's things about God you do not understand. And some things you'll only understand when you experience or embrace the full weight of who he is or the fullness of God, which comes through embracing the person and power of the Holy Spirit. That's just a reality. There's things you understand, things you don't understand, but when you embrace the person and power of the Holy Spirit, where you're able to walk in the fullness of God's glory, then those mysteries or secret things, that which is hidden is revealed, and you see that, a mystery that's been hidden, but God's destined for his glory. God wants you to have it. You understand God wants to download the full weight of who he is into you. Let me keep going. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, physical body, and what no mind, our mind, can conceive the things of God has prepared for those who love him. Basically what he's saying, he's quoting an Old Testament passage. He's not talking about heaven People think, well, he's just talking about heaven right here. No, he's talking about going up, if you go study, he's talking about the glory. You haven't seen yet the fullness of who God is in your life. You've not seen or experienced the fullness of God because your eyes and your ears cannot comprehend God in his fullness. Your physical being cannot contain the full weight of who God is. It is an impossibility. No mind can comprehend because your mind cannot comprehend how vast and how great God is. And you don't want your mind to be able to. Don't bring them down to your size because your mind will limit God. Your mind will only be able to allow you to do things that your mind can understand, and no mind can comprehend the vastness and greatness of our God. So God's dilemma, he desires to get you the full weight of who he is, but you have limitations because your physical body cannot contain God in his fullness, and your mind cannot comprehend the fullness of God. So what did God do to solve the dilemma? He placed another part in human beings called the spirit. He placed his spirit in you, and when your spirit, when you get born again. Again, the Bible says your spirit man is recreated in the image of God, and all of a sudden there's a part of you that has the capacity to receive God in his fullness, and it's the part of you that's been created to be like him. And it had to be that way because he had to bypass this mind that would limit him, and he had to bypass this this body that could not contain him. Amen? God's a lot smarter than we are. I mean, he wanted, always wanted, destined for you to have the full weight of who he is. But he knew your mind wouldn't be able to comprehend, it would limit it, your body could not contain him, so he created a part of us, a spirit man. When we become born again, it's recreated in the spirit of God, and when that baptism, that baptism of power, it downloads it. You know, let me give you an example. My wife and I went to the Apple store the other day. We needed an upgrade. We're, I, I'm, I'm notorious for not getting the new systems, and my phone's not working the way it should, and all this, and I wasn't experiencing all the things that I could do. I, it was limiting where I, how I was operating and what I. was doing. And so we went to the store and got everything caught up, and got the new system, and all of a sudden I got upgraded, and now life is a lot easier, I'm thinking, why didn't I do this before? And can I say this if you'll give me the the liberty in this illustration? Hey, some of us need to upgrade to the power of the Holy Ghost. We're operating in a system that's limiting our life. And if we will open up to the person and power of the Holy Spirit, we'll be able to operate on a whole new level, as God always intended. But some of us are still operating on the system that we embraced when we got saved, but there's more. You just need an upgrade, and it's the person and power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how those things were downloaded into my phone. God wants to download the full weight of who He is through the person and power of the Holy Spirit into the part of you that's created like Him, so you can experience a higher level of living, a greater power, a greater boldness. Some of us are struggling in life, and the answer to some of them, and I do all the time when I pray for people at the altar. One of the first things I'll ask them when I find out where they're at, and you believe in the prayer, have you received the power of the Holy Spirit praying in tongues? That divine, heavenly language that connects us to God? And a lot of times, they just don't have the power to overcome where they're at, and it gives them the ability to break free. It's like, it's like what gives us the ability to break free, of, break free of the pull of gravity. It's extra thrust in the engines, right? And there's, a, there's an extra power. That's what it says. It's power. Acts 1-8, you'll see power to break free from the confines of this natural world. God wants to download it in you through the person and power of the Holy Spirit. The conduit he created, the conduit to get his power into you is the heavenly language. Why did He do that? That's crazy. No, it's genius. It's genius because your mind wants to know everything that's going on. What are you doing? Well, I don't believe that. That's impossible. That can't happen. There's no way. Let's ask somebody else. That's crazy, that's goofy, that's embarrassing. I don't want anything to do with that. Where are you going? What are you doing? Your mind can't stand being left out of things. But God had to bypass your mind so your mind would not limit God in your life. And your body can't continue. We've already talked about that. So that heavenly language, it connects you spirit to spirit. You realize God's a spirit. You're connected spirit to spirit with God. And that heavenly language bypasses your mind. And now God is able to download. And the more you talk in the spirit, the more he downloads into you. And those mysteries are revealed. And those deep things we talked about come into your life. Why? Because now you have a conduit, a spirit to spirit with God. And there's a download going on. It's not crazy goofy, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's amazing, it's necessary. A whole new level of living, we need an upgrade. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, because it's impossible to comprehend and grasp the bigness of God, no mind can understand or comprehend, and God solved that dilemma. God sees the condition of the world that we live in, and God knows our assignment, he's given it to us, and he says, you don't have enough in the natural, I need to download more power to you. And so he created a conduit, a heavenly language. So God made a way for that to happen, to download the fullness of who he is. And, and, and our mind struggles with that, and, and that's where we have a hard time. And so don't limit God to your mind. God had to bypass that. God has a plan. Romans eight sixteen says this. The spirit himself testifies, spirit, God's spirit, testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. A spirit to spirit connection, spirit to spirit. That means that it's not filtered through your mind. 1 Corinthians 2, let's go back to our story 10. 10, these are the things that God has revealed to us by his spirit. God reveals things to us by his spirit. He has to bypass our mind. He reveals it by his spirit. The spirit, God's spirit, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. That just makes sense. What we've received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Now listen to this. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, not in ABCs and phonics and phonetics and all the the language that we've learned here on the planet, not by those words, but in words taught by the Spirit, the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spiritual taught words. Come on, I want me some of that. I want the deep things of God to be revealed in my life. I want to experience the spiritual realities that God intends not be relegated to the things this world offers. And the way that happens is through that divine uh, connection, that conduit, that heavenly language, a spirit taught by the Spirit of God in communion with God's Spirit. And the more you're in communion with God's Spirit, the more you become like God. The more you're in communion with God's Spirit, the more you start talking like God. The more you're in communion with God's Spirit, the more you start thinking like God. The more you're in communion with God's Spirit, the more you love the things of God, want the things of God, overcome the things of this world, turn away from things of this world that are not pleasing to God. Why? Because now we have a conduit through our heavenly language to connect to our heavenly Father and receive receive the full way to who he is, to be overcomers in this life, and live a life full of his presence, so other people be drawn out of darkness into light. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Let me keep going, let me finish this out, guys. A person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit and considers them foolishness. That's been the enemy's big lines, kept too many people from receiving this beautiful language. They're not going to understand it's foolishness. No, it's not. It makes perfect sense to me. Read the Bible. It's all throughout the scripture. And cannot understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. New words, spirit taught. Others will think them foolish, but they don't understand. Tongues is not crazy gibberish. It's not something to despise or resist. It's something beautiful God created so your brain would not limit God and reduce him to our understanding. Spirit to spirit. So here's the pushback. Do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues, right? You get to have a heavenly language, a beautiful language experience with God. It's all about perspective. Your heavenly language does not make you a crazy fanatic or a holy roller. If you wanna roll around the floor, please the back. It's okay, just back there, okay. But God's not gonna make you do that. It's just a higher level of living beyond the natural because we live in perilous times. It's because we have a mission to reach people for Jesus and we need to be the witnesses. Here's another question. Can every believer speak in tongues? Absolutely, it's for every believer. Every single baptism is for every believer, right? Remember? It's one of three baptisms. Is it it for every person to be baptized into the family of God? Absolutely. That's God's heart and desire. Is it for every person to be water baptized? Absolutely. He wants everybody to publicly express the inward work. Is it for every believer then to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power? Absolutely, because he wants you to live a victorious life and take as many people to heaven as possible. All three baptisms are for every believer. Mark 6 16:17 17 says, these signs will accompany or follow those who believe. In my name you'll cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They will follow those who believe. Acts 2:39 says, the promise is for you, your children, and all who are afar off. It's for everyone, Romans 8:26 26 through 27. In the same way, the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Holy Spirit, heavenly language. When you don't know what to pray, and can I be honest with you, there's a lot of times I don't know what to pray. A lot of situations I face, I don't even know how to pray on this one. Thank God for the Holy Spirit because my spirit, man, in communion with God, downloads that prayer and then I'm praying out, the Bible says God's perfect word, but in my, his perfect will in my heavenly language. It'll pray in accordance with the will of God. There are so many benefits. Next week, you're going to get an insert. I talk about 10 benefits of the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. We're going to talk a little bit more about it next week. You need to come back. Don't leave short of this next one next week. So what do we do? Remove all barriers. I asked you to come at the beginning of the series with a clean slate. Even if you already believe in it, I just come with a clean slate. Let's look at the look in the Word. We got one more next week, and then we have encounter time. Fifth Sunday of every month, we've always done that. We've done this for years. We t- we carve out time to worship the Lord. Go a little bit further, and we create an, an environment, an opportunity for you to just press into God a little bit more. Come, having removed all barriers, skepticism, bad experiences, misuses, abuses, overemphasis, underemphasis, doctrinal differences. Just wipe the slate clean. Just take the Word that we've taught request the Holy Spirit. Request him. Request confidently. Ask for him. He's a free gift, just like salvation is a free gift. He's a free gift for every single one of you. The only requirement for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is salvation. Once you're saved, ask for him. Ask for him confidently. Number three, receive the gift. Reach out by faith and take it just like you did salvation. And no one can talk you out of your salvation. You may not always feel saved, but you're saved by grace through faith, amen? Because you did what the Bible says and you reached up to receive that new life. In the same way, with that confidence, you reach up and receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, understand this. There is no Holy Spirit takeover. You're not gonna be possessed by the Holy Spirit. He's not gonna cause you to do things and send you a place. He's not gonna send you to Africa. He might, I don't know, maybe that's a call of God in your life anyways, I don't know. He's not gonna ask you to do crazy, goofy things. He's not gonna possess you and embarrass you. He's not gonna possess you and humiliate you. I don't know where all that comes from. That's not in the scripture. You have to voluntarily participate. You have to voluntarily participate, just like salvation. And number four, release your prayer language. Release your prayer language. It is a beautiful thing, a heavenly thing. It's a conduit to the power of God. It is your decision. The Holy Spirit's not gonna come and grab your tongue and move it around. The Holy Spirit, the hand of God's not gonna come from heaven to the back of your head and start moving your mouth like a ventriloquist or a puppet. It ain't happening, it doesn't happen that way. You voluntarily participate in faith. Receive your language. By faith, speak it out. By faith, stop praying in English and start praying in your heavenly language. By faith, stop worshiping in English and start worshiping in your heavenly language. Sometimes you see in the scripture, people laid hands on people. Sometimes they didn't lay hands on people. They received them still. If I remember the story correctly, when my dad received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the founder of this church, he had heard it being taught. Then one day he was driving his car. He would already been saved and he heard it being taught and he just pulled his car over onto work and on the commute to work one day on the shoulder and said, Lord, if this is for me and I believe it is, I want everything you have. And then he opened his mouth by faith and started speaking in tongues on the side of the road on his commute to work. And let me tell you, it had to be God because you know what commutes to work are like, right? You're in the flesh on that one, right? It had to be God. I'm saying, you can have hands laid on you, you can do it right here, you can do it in your car, you can do it at home, but you release your prayer language. And let me say this, if you don't agree with me, that's okay. And if you you choose not to accept this, that's okay. We can still do life and ministry together. We can keep the main thing the main thing, and that is salvation and seeking and saving the lost reaching people for Jesus Christ. We can still be in the same church and reach the lost. We can still serve our community together. We can still give the missions. We can still make a difference. This has nothing to do with heaven and hell, but it is a core value for me and my family in this church. And I believe that you needed to know that. I think it's a blessing, a benefit to each and every one of us, but it is your decision. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church